all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. February is drawing to a close, and we're finishing up our Heart Month series today with the topic of diabetes and heart health. My guest today is Dietrich Taylor with the Mississippi Diabetes Coalition, and we would love to talk to you today. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464, or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. President Trump will call for a 10% increase in military spending next year with a corresponding cut in other government programs. NPR's Scott Horsley reports Trump says the budget will be a big part of his speech to a joint session of Congress tomorrow night. Trump told a gathering of the nation's governors his spending blueprint will be a public safety and national security budget. It would boost military spending by $54 billion next year. This defense spending increase will be offset and paid for by finding greater savings and efficiencies across the federal government. We're going to do more with less. The White House budget is not expected to touch major entitlement programs, such as Medicare and Social Security. But the president will propose deep cuts in other domestic spending, along with diplomacy and foreign aid. Scott Horsley, NPR News, Washington. In Philadelphia, police are trying to locate the vandals who broke into a historic Jewish cemetery Saturday night and defaced scores of graves. Bobby Allen is with member station WHYY in Philadelphia, where authorities are offering a cash reward for tips leading to the arrest and conviction of the vandals. Rows and rows of headstones were toppled. Grave markers were damaged and stacked on top of each other. Walking along the desecrated graves, local rabbi Sean Zevitt said the vandalism won't divide the faith communities, including Christians and Muslims that have banded together since the incident. None of us here have been seeing this as a place that um, we're interested in investing fear in uh, or, um, you know, going back into older tropes about because we have strong relationships with each other. A similar act of vandalism struck a Jewish cemetery in the St. Louis area recently. In Philadelphia, Mayor Jim Kenney said hate crimes are not permitted in the city. He promised to prosecute the vandals as far as the law allows. For NPR News, I'm Bobby Allen in Philadelphia. Negotiators from Asia's main economies are meeting in Kobe, Japan, to try to forge a new trade deal. NPR's Anthony Kuhn reports from Beijing that the new pact 
could fill the vacuum left by the Trump administration's rejection of the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. The pact is called the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership. It includes 10 Southeast Asian nations plus China, India, Japan, South Korea, Australia and New Zealand. That's about half the world's population and a third of global trade. The TPP did not include China. The RCEP doesn't include the U.S. This is the first meeting of the pact's member states since President Trump announced the U.S. was abandoning the TPP. The RCEP is mostly aimed at cutting tariffs and less at setting labor, environmental and intellectual property standards of the sort the TPP included. Anthony Kuhn, NPR News, Beijing. U.S. stocks are trading slightly lower with the Dow off 17 at 20,804. From Washington, this is NPR News. Bill Cosby is back in court in Pennsylvania where he will go on trial this June for allegedly sexually assaulting a former Temple University employee at his home in 2004. At today's hearing, a judge granted the defense's request for out-of-town jurors. A British author is walking the roughly 300-mile border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland to draw attention to the potential damage that he says Brexit could do there. NPR's Frank Langford has the story from London. William Hanbury Tennyson lives near the border, which is peaceful and has no checkpoints because the UK and Ireland are part of the European Union. After the UK leaves, though, many worry about a return of a so-called hard border with customs, which could reignite political anger from the violent era known as the Troubles. Hanbury Tennyson spoke by phone. The greatest concern of all the people I've talked to in the last nine days walking along the border is that we might somehow re-empower some of those people who wish to solve Ireland's problems by the gun. The EU says it doesn't want a hard border, but the Irish government has already begun identifying possible locations for checkpoints. Frank Langford, NPR News. London. Steve Harvey says if Warren Beatty wants to talk, he's there for him. Harvey joked on Twitter that he woke up this morning to find out that Beatty and co-star Faye Dunaway were given the wrong card for best picture. In front of millions of people watching worldwide, the veteran actors read La La Land, turned out it was really Moonlight. Steve Harvey's been there when he hosted the Miss Universe pageant in 2015. He accidentally named the wrong woman as the winner. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include EBSCO, studying how people use information and developing technologies and resources to create greater access to content. EBSCO employs developers, subject experts, and librarians. Learn more at careers.ebsco.com. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And I'm so excited to have Dietrich Taylor on the show today. He is a registered nurse and a certified diabetic educator and has a wealth of knowledge about diabetes. He's spoken multiple places across the country about diabetes and actually is the lead with the Diabetes Prevention Program with the Mississippi Diabetes Coalition. Um, Dietrich, tell me a little bit about the Diabetes Coalition. What is that? 
So the Diabetes Coalition started um, uh, probably about 10 years ago, um, but about five years ago, it kind of dwindled down a little bit. And so about five years ago, that was one of the things that CDC wanted to see us have, uh, have here in Mississippi. And so um, uh, in my uh, previous role as the diabetes director at the Mississippi State Department of Health, uh, we worked to get that um, that group back up. And so um, we started with about 17 members. Now we have about 105. Um, and the, there's three basic uh, primary areas, and that's diabetes primary prevention, that's diabetes management, and then also policies that um, help individuals live with or better their diabetes situation. And so it's so great that there's a group of folks that have come together oh, yeah. to address this problem yeah. because diabetes is such an issue here and not only in Mississippi, but the South in right. general. Right. So we want to talk to you guys today about diabetes. If you have questions about how you can prevent it, how you can take control of your diabetes, how it relates to heart health, please give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, 672 Or send me an email at fit at pbonline.org and we would love to talk with you on this Monday. It is rainy here in Jackson and so I would love to talk to you guys to brighten up my Monday morning. Um, Dietrich, tell me a little bit about kind of what is the state of diabetes here in Mississippi? So um, just to kind of give some high level numbers, um, Mississippi of course ranks high um, um, in um, diabetes prevalence and heart disease as well. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, I had a chance, like I was telling you earlier, to speak at CDC, and um, I kind of like trying to get people loosened up, and so I got on the stage, and it was a lot of about 300 people in the room, and I said, hey, listen, my name is Dietrich Taylor from the great state of Mississippi, where our state flowers, the beautiful magnolia, and our state bird is either the fried or barbecued. That's right. <laughs> and so the idea is, is it just goes to show that, listen, um, um, we love to eat. You know, uh, we enjoy food. Uh, food is a part of who we are. But some of the foods that we eat is not not the healthiest food. It's good for us, but it's not as good to us, but it's not necessarily always good for us. And that kind of feeds into our prevalence rate. Um, right now, Mississippi ranked, um, previously ranked second, but I think we're now number one in diabetes as it pertains to the prevalence of diabetes. So... Yeah, and we talked a little bit about that, that our, our numbers have crept up a little bit. But yeah, why might yeah. that not be the worst news ever? Right. I'm glad you uh, mentioned that. And, and the answer is, is this. Um, our numbers went a little bit higher, not because we're in a worse state. We're in a better state. People are more knowledgeable about diabetes. They're learning. Uh, they're being tested. They're finding themselves in what's considered pre-diabetes. Um, and it's hard to tell people that have always seen diabetes or have lived with someone that have diabetes that you can actually prevent or delay yourself from getting diabetes. So what we're seeing now in Mississippi across the state from uh, from people who are dealing with diabetes, family members, as well as clinicians is more people are being tested and they're finding themselves in pre-diabetes and working towards reversing that state so that they actually don't get diabetes. That so that's fantastic you know that pre-diabetes is really kind of that sweet spot so to speak you know no pun intended but that's really where we want to catch folks because if we can catch you in that pre-diabetic range which really means that your blood sugar is a little higher than normal but not so high that we say yes absolutely you have diabetes exactly exactly if we can catch you right then right there and start working on those numbers we can prevent or significantly delay the onset of diabetes exactly exactly and so we're looking at what what, um um, was clinically considered an a1c a hemoglobin a1c from 5.7 to 6.4 that's considered pre-diabetes and what um data and uh, study 
studies have shown is that if you can find yourself in that state, then you can work, you know, healthy eating, exercise, you know, nutrition, all those different things that we can do to actually help you prevent or delay yourself from getting diabetes. Yeah. Right. And you mentioned the A1C number, and that right. is a number that, you know, you need to have done at your healthcare provider's right. office. Right. If you have a machine at home that you check your blood sugar with, that's um, just kind of a one-time snapshot picture of what your sugar is right now. Right. And, you know, fasting or first thing in the morning before you've had your coffee, which I know is a struggle for some right, folks. Right, it is a right. struggle for me to me form too, a coherent too. sentence yeah. without my coffee. Yeah. But it, that first in the morning sugar, we want that to be between 70 and 100. Right. And so if it's over 100, then we start to say, hey, maybe we need to watch this a little bit more closely. Right. And so sometimes that's the sugar that you get checked at the doctor's office as well because right. you schedule your appointment for first thing in the morning. Right. But I want to make sure that people are not only just checking that fasting sugar, right. they're checking their sugar after a meal, exactly. about about an hour and a half to two hours after right, a meal. Right, right. Now, if you check your sugar 30 minutes after a meal, it's going to be elevated because right, your right, body's right. still working on that. Yeah. But two hours after a meal, if you're still, you know, hanging around, you know, 130, 140, then we've got to take a look at that and say, you may have a problem with your after the meal sugars. And you can have a problem with either or right, you can have a right. problem with that fasting sugar or the after the meal sugar or both. Um, and in all actuality, just in all honesty, I actually have a problem with my fasting sugars. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, that's something that we keep a close watch on is what my fasting sugars are running. And we already have a call this morning from Lisa on the Gulf Coast about the vegan diet and type 2 diabetes. Good morning, Lisa. Lisa? Yes. Good morning. Hi. How are you? I was, well, I was recently diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Okay. And I also eat vegan. And I know that it's really difficult to have meal or meat replacement without having carbs. Right. And, you know, I, but I do know a vegan diet is really good for your cholesterol. Right. It is. Yeah. And, and you know, a vegan diet can definitely be doable with, um, with diabetes. You know, the things that are going to make your sugar go higher are things that are starchier in nature. So any of your vegetables that are starchy um, uh -huh. are the ones that are going to make your sugar higher. Now, what does that mean? What's a starchy vegetable? Well, I usually tell folks if you can take that vegetable and squish it and it looks fluffy exactly. on the inside, yeah, yeah, like a potato yeah, looks, yeah. then it's more starchy. And that's usually things like potatoes, um, corn even, um, sweet potatoes, well, any I, of the peas. A, a vegetable and a legume, I mean, if that corn and, and peas are legumes, they're not really vegetables. Right. We just kind of lump them all in this one group when we're doing mass, kind of teaching about different uh, different types of foods. Um, Dietrich, do you have suggestions on, on things that would be great uh, meat substitutes or protein substitutes that probably wouldn't hurt your sugar? It's kind of hard, you know, um, um, because if you look at it, um, it's just like you say, a lot of the starchy foods mm -hmm. are some of the foods that people mm -hmm. depend on to mm -hmm. actually get mm -hmm. that particular piece. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting question. Um, My initial gut is a, a nut, like, yeah, a, you know, yeah. but the unsweetened nuts, you know, you want to get, uh, you know, peanut butter or a nut butter that's not been, you know, roasted and salted and covered in, in honey and, right, and sugars right. and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, nuts are a great replacement. Um, eggs would also be a good um, meat replacement. Now, I'm not sure on the vegan. I don't think you can have eggs on the vegan allowed, diet. No. Um, 
So what I actually would recommend, since you've kind of got a couple of, of things going on, is making looking in your area and if you need help finding one i'll be happy to help um, find one for you a registered dietitian that can help you construct a meal plan that will meet all the things that are important to you on the vegan diet but then will also be good for managing your blood sugar as well and so and i would also encourage you to reach out to um, your local diabetes self-management education programs there on the coast um, because they usually have a dietitian that's part of diabetes self-management education and they will go through the process of helping you understand what diabetes is because like you just said you just got diagnosed with it um so uh, when you're when you're in a doctor's office you deal with no more than 30 minutes at the most and so you need that process of understanding what diabetes is what type of diabetes do you have and then just like the question you asked us what can you actually use what can you eat what's going to help you to self-manage your diabetes on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. so i definitely encourage you to reach out to that and there are some programs on the coast um, that can help you with that information so Lisa, if you'll send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org, I will be happy to send you a list of resources for the Gulf Coast that will be able to help you. Okay, thanks. Thank you. All right, have a good day. Bye-bye. So that was such an interesting topic, and 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 diet is and nutrition is so critical when you're treating uh, or trying to self manage um, diabetes, and it can be overwhelming, especially if you have other you know other um, restrictions on your diet, whether it's um, you know a vegan diet, whether it's um, a gluten free diet, right, right. or even if you have another medical condition, like maybe you have um, maybe you take Coumadin, and so you have to avoid you know dark green leafy vegetables, right, which are right, right. are great for managing diabetes. Diabetes, you know, they're very low in calorie, very low in starch. Um, But so really partnering with a registered dietitian um, will help you. A lot of the insurance companies, if you have diabetes, they will cover several sessions with a registered dietitian. They will. It's called medical um, uh, nutrition therapy. It's MNT. And so um, I would would actually encourage you, doctor, because you do have to have a referral from your doctor uh, for diabetes self-management education and for EMT. But when you're diagnosed with diabetes, I would encourage, um, you know, um, people that are dealing with it. Listen, ask your doctors right then. Say, we were on the radio. I heard something about called, called uh, MNT and DSME. Ask them to refer you to a local program because that's going to help you greatly. Absolutely. And we want to keep talking to you guys about your questions about diabetes and nutrition and heart health. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or email me at fit at mpbonline.org. And we will be back after the break. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. 
For Moments in Black History, we highlight Medgar Wiley Evers. As a lifelong Mississippian, Medgar Evers wanted equality for all of its citizens. Becoming an NAACP field secretary in 1954, he was moving his vision in Jackson and around the entire state. Becoming a real key in the desegregation of Ole Miss, Medgar Evers was a real change agent until his assassination in 1963. We salute Medgar Evers for his vision. You can kill a man, but you cannot kill an idea. This has been MPB's Moments in Black History. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. A pastry chef who President Obama called the crust master is now working in a bloodier venue, baking meat pies for audience members at the grisly murder musical Sweeney Todd. The pies are really delicious. They're flaky. They're light. No fingernails in them or anything. (laughs) The White House, this is not. Baking for the demon barber of Fleet Street this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at UMC. Here with my guests today, Dietrich Taylor, Registered Nurse and Certified Diabetic Educator. And we are talking to you guys today about diabetes and how that impacts heart health and what you can do to either prevent the development of diabetes or take control of your diabetes once diagnosed. And we are going to go straight back to the phones because we have a caller in Picayune, Sydney, um, who has um, either a comment or a question about the vegan diet again. Good morning, Sydney. Good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Good. How can we help you today? Well, I've been a vegetarian for over 30 years, mm-hmm. uh, and it's medically dictated. I, I do have to be vegetarian. Okay. Um, and one of the things I have learned is to be very cautious when consulting dietitians. Okay. They frequently do not know how to handle vegetarians or vegans. Mm-hmm. So um, people who use that sort of diet really need to um, educate themselves mm-hmm. and to be cautious with the advice that they're given. I was in the hospital a couple years ago, and they were insisting that, uh, you know, they sent the dietician into me. Right. And she was insisting that I eat Jell-O. Right. Jell-O is a meat product. Right. It's the, the bone. Um, right. Yeah, the yeah, gelatin. It's, it's, yeah, hooks and hide. Right. But also, you know, she was telling me there was nothing wrong with eating gravy. And things oh, like goodness. That. She, she honestly did not know. Right. Um, so when vegans are trying to... Uh, approach a diet that, that's healthy, they really need to look into something called protein combining. Okay. Because that's where you get all of the amino acids. Right. And you, you, by combining foods together, now some of them are starchy. Right. You know, like corn. But if you have a little corn with a little rice, you've got a protein. Right. If you have, you know, there are different ways to combine there them. There are. And it's just, I really would, you know, um, advocate that people... You know, even though they go to see a dietitian, some dietitians just don't understand. They do need to take charge of their own health. Absolutely. You need to take charge of your own health and find a provider that 
that is knowledgeable in that area. You know, I'm lucky to know a lot of dietitian friends, and I always try and say, now, whose specialty is this particular um, diet plan? Or, uh, you know, if I'm dealing with a, a pregnant lady or a breastfeeding lady, who's the best dietitian for that particular patient population? So that you get somebody it's who's... really a concern. I, I, have, I had a tenant who, who had... Um, diabetes mm-hmm. and she would come back sometimes from her doctor with information about what they thought she should eat mm-hmm. and they were telling her things that you know just weren't right yeah and she she was not a vegetarian but i could see from what i have studied myself that i, I was concerned for her mm-hmm. do so you have any protein know. recommendations for our last caller what what are some things that you use to substitute um Nuts. Yeah, nuts. nuts. For, for a vegan, nuts are a really good thing. And if you're going to use nuts, you need to have proper equipment. You need to have some kind of, um, you know, blender or right. something where you can you can crunch nuts up. You can make right. them into a nut loaf. Right. Oh, with yeah. Other, you know, vegetables and things. And you put that together with carrots and some seasoning. It's really good. Mm-hmm. I actually did a, a nut dressing on top of my salad the other day. It was an almond um, nut dressing, and that, that kind of took the place of my protein on that salad. I didn't have to add anything else um, to that salad and to it, get that. It's really, it's wonderful, and it's tasty, and it really doesn't require that many nuts. But you, right. you do need to get ones that aren't, as you said, hyper-processed. Right, coated in all kinds of things. things. Yeah. Dietrich, did difference. So label reading makes a difference. It does. It absolutely does. Dietrich, did you have something to add? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that you know, um, just listening to this, um, you know, this conversation, um, it is so important to have more than one resource. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we find ourselves in a doctor's office and they tell us something, but then do you really understand what the doctor actually said? Right. Um, a lot of times I'm, I'm from people. Anybody that knows me know that I'm from Heidelberg, Mississippi, Jasper County. Love that place. Been there all my life. Um, but a lot of times my family members will call me after they leave the doctor's office and they'll tell me what the doctor said. But then they'll also say, now, can you help me understand what they actually meant? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So she was saying that a lot of times when you're in the hospital and you're in doctor's offices, you get this information. But um, do you have someone that can help you understand the information? That's really important. So you're serving a great uh, in a great role for that person. So, Sydney, thank you so much for calling and, you know, giving us some excellent feedback about making sure that you really take control of your own health and find somebody that you can partner with you to help you um, really be the healthiest you can be. Thank you. The best doctor I ever spoke to gave me one piece of advice. And what is that? Hey, honey, be your own best diagnostician that's right trust you your trust yourself where you are yes ma'am trust yourself that's right yeah. all right you have a great day okay thank you, you you're welcome well. all right so now we'll go um to jackson and talk to frank about food combining good morning frank yes uh people poo poo food combining for years until you got the atkins diet which is basically food combining and you've got the paleo diet but the simplest way to diet is to just eat a what they call a concentrated food. Uh, even if you're not a vegetarian, if you're going to eat meat, eat meat with a salad. Don't eat meat with bread. Do not combine uh, co- two concentrated foods. People say, well, stay away from potatoes. There's nothing wrong with potatoes. Right. If you just ate potatoes in salad, you would not get a spike in your insulin. You would not get diabetes. 
But when you fry that potato... Well, it's not a potato anymore. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> now, when you're young, your body can, can, can withstand bad combinations. But as you get older, I think older now starts around uh, 12, uh, uh, your, your body really can't handle it because your body is designed just like a chemical plant. And you can't put a food in that requires an acidic media to digest with a food that requires a alkaline. Now, again, that is the simplest diet I've come across. If you're going to eat meat, eat meat with potatoes. If you're going to eat pasta, eat meat with a salad. If you're going to eat a salad or, or vegetables. If you're going to eat potatoes, eat potatoes with, with vegetables. If you're going to eat bread or pasta, eat that with vegetables. Do not add meat and pasta. That's a bad combination. When you get older, you're going to put on weight because the body... Goes, goes ahead and very quickly metabolizes the carbohydrates mm-hmm. and lets the fat go through at a later date and stores that as more fat. And uh, I'm glad the lady talked about uh, being a vegetarian. Uh, people forget that the body does not need meat for protein. What the body needs are amino acids. And for the lady, you really do not have to eat a complete uh sampling of amino acids at any meal. The body is perfectly capable of storing what it needs and pull it out later on. There was a book uh, written, Diet for a Small Planet, that really uh, showed the science behind that. So, if you're going to eat meat, eat meat with vegetables, no bread, no potatoes. If you're going to want the best diet, in my opinion, stay away from the meat, don't eat anything with a face or ever had a face, and uh, plenty of vegetables, raw preferably well thank you for all of that that was great information and you know i agree that you know you got to pay attention to what you're putting on your plate and make sure things make sense when you when you put them on your plate and that you know you're not having potatoes and rice and pasta and bread and all of that together at one time because that's just not what we consider a healthy plate if your uh, listeners are out there and you're wanting to know what should you put on your plate well you can go to the usda website and look at choose my plate or you can go to the southern remedy website site and look at our healthy eating plate. They are very, very similar to each other and will give you lots of um, ways to combine foods to build a balanced plate. So thank you so much for um, that information, Frank. Let's go to one of my favorite cities in the world, Oxford, Mississippi, and talk to uh, David. Good morning, David. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. What can we help you with? I've been a type 1 diabetic for almost 40 years. And um, I got it when I was a kid. It's an autoimmune mm-hmm. uh, type of diabetes. And I eat a low-carb, high-protein diet. So I don't eat bread, pasta, rice, right. or potatoes, or fruit. I just eat pretty much vegetables and protein. Mm-hmm. And that does include, uh, I, I'm not a strict veg- vegetarian, but I eat mostly f- uh, fish. And one good vegeta- vegetarian protein is tofu. Right. It's uh, a soy-based product. Yeah. It's a soy-based product. It's, it's, I found that to be good. Protein is essential uh, uh, building block material for the body. We need protein, but we don't actually need um, carbohydrates except for the vitamins and minerals that are in vegetables. The, fruit, the problem with fruit is that it's loaded with sugar and it's been genetically engineered to taste sweet, sweeter so that people buy it more. But um, this whole thing uh, of low-carb, high-protein uh, comes from a book 
and I think he really is the uh, expert on on diabetes, both type one and type two, and all types. Um, Dr. Bernstein's uh, Diabetes Solution. It's an excellent book, and it talks about all of the medications and and in detail uh, for both type twos, type ones, exercise, combining all of that with diet, and also how to lose weight if you want to mm-hmm. lose weight. Uh, it's an excellent book, and it goes counter to the American Diabetes Recommendation of a high-carb, uh, low-fat right. diet. This is instead a low-carb, high-protein diet. Mm-hmm. And my hemoglobin A1Cs have been 5.0 for the last two years Fantastic. with That's no great. hypoglycemic episodes. That's so important that you mentioned that, the no hypoglycemic episodes, because we want people to have a low... Uh, hemoglobin A1C, but we don't want them to be crashing all the time because right. that's just not not good either. That's right. So I take low carb, therefore I need low insulin, low insulin. requirements and a much flatter uh, blood sugar profile right. as a result. And th- for me, this would this is the same. It, type ones and type twos have the same set of issues to deal with, which is that we don't want blood sugars to go high after a meal. So with correct injection before a low-carb meal, uh, my blood sugars usually don't go over 100. Fantastic. Well, David, thank you for giving me that book suggestion. I'm definitely going to check it out and see what he has to say. And kudos to you for taking control of your health care and getting good results with your um, diabetes control. And uh, thank you so much for calling today. And I hope that you'll uh, keep listening and give us a call again in the future. We're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, we'll go back to the phone lines. We do have open lines. Give me a call at 1-877-672-7464. Send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Mississippi Public Broadcasting presents Melvin Williams' Down Home Gospel. With this show, Melvin Williams' Down Home Gospel, I'm kind of going to take you on a little journey. You're going to get vintage, traditional gospel music right here on MPB. Premiering March 4th at 6 p.m. on MPB Television. A pastry chef who President Obama called the Crust Master is now working in a bloodier venue. 
baking meat pies for audience members at the Grizzly Murder Musical Sweeney Todd. The pies are really delicious. They're flaky. They're light. No fingernails in them or anything. <laughs> the White House, this is not. Baking for the Demon Barber of Fleet Street this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. questions today about diabetes and heart health and we've been taking lots of calls and questions about specific diets and how they can help you with diabetes and we're loving talking to you guys this morning we do have a couple of open lines you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org and we're going to go right back to the phone lines because we have bell in yazoo county who has a question about iron rich foods good morning bell Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Well, thanks for calling. Thank you. First, I have a comment and then a question about Aaron. Um, I I get food occasionally from a supermarket uh, daily, and what I think is terrible is I I don't have diabetes, but I can taste the sugar in the cornbread and in a lot of the vegetables, and I wish these people would stop doing that because... There are a lot of diabetics that do come in there, and they're getting extra sugar. Mm-hmm. And I try to watch mine. But the other thing is um, I went and had my blood checked at my GP's office last week, and my um, red cell count is a little bit low, mm-hmm. and I have to go back this week and get another hemoglobin. The sugar and the uh, cholesterol were real good. I am omnivorous if that's the correct pronunciation. But um, I bought myself some raisins, and I don't want to eat too many of them because they're so sweet. But I just wanted to know if you could tell me some foods that have iron in them so I can get iron naturally. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to eat a steak once a week now, but I'm not a big red eat meter. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yeah, so um, some of the foods that are rich in iron, um, your beef, your pork, your lamb, uh, chicken, turkey, um, beef liver. Uh, if you were from uh, from where I am, again, you know, liver, onions, and rice. Mm-hmm. Um, um, your kidney beans, black beans, soybeans, um, uh, you know, things like that will um, help you in that. But I wanted to also mention um, something that um, uh, the last caller talked about, this caller talked about, and that is, you know, we're living in a state that have something called food deserts. So a lot of times it's not that people don't want to get to a place where they um, um, can get fresh fruits and fresh vegetables. It's just that they're not available in their local area. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's not a matter of, you know, eating what I want. It's eating what's actually available. You and I were early, early, we were talking about something called pick fives. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, pick five might not be the healthiest meats um, 
you know, but here's the deal. They are feeding my family for a whole five days. And so you have to be really mindful of that, especially when you're dealing with public health and a lot of stuff that goes on. We look at food deserts. We look at um, clinical health deserts because, you know, sometimes people travel 30, 40 minutes to the grocery store, an mm-hmm. hour, an hour and a half to the doctor's mm-hmm. office. So we have to be really mindful of that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, one of the other things with you know, a low red count or a low hemoglobin is we got to figure out what's causing it because there's iron deficiency anemia, which you know, is what we can treat with either food that have iron in them or iron replacement, but there are other kinds of anemia as well. So I'm happy to hear that you're going back um, this week for a repeat so they can make sure exactly what kind of anemia you have and then uh, can help you kind of design the best treatment plan for that. So I hope that helped you out, Belle, um, and good luck uh, at the doctor's office, and thanks for calling this morning. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Bye-bye. All right, we have got a call from Alabama, and it's a Dr. Paul. Good morning, Dr. Paul. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? What can we do for you today? Great. Thank you. Well, first of all, I just wanted to um, just really um, congratulate you guys on your program because you're right. It is very prevalent in uh, the southern region. Yes, ma'am. We practice in Health County and uh, focus mainly on uh prevention maintenance uh, with type 2 diabetes especially that's mm-hmm. what's most prevalent in our area and um, we do have a wellness center in Hale County where we are able to treat patients for a 10-day program doing health lectures cooking classes taking them to the gro- local grocery stores to learn how to read labels so that they can fix their food in a healthy way we try to focus more on lifestyle than diet mm-hmm. so that right. they know it's a way of living and not right. bad Yes. And um, in that program, we talk about digestion walks. And also we give them a supplement herbal treatment, which has been very successful in lowering their sugars. And also a lot of them have hypertension. We've seen the blood pressure mm-hmm. numbers start to become regulated. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're just really interested in this also because it does have a lot of complications that not only affect their lives, but their family members' lives. Right. They have dialysis and that sort of thing. And so... We just wanted to uh, announce that in Hale County, if anybody is a type 2 diabetic and they need counseling or they would like us to come to their church, do a health lecture free of charge, we are more than willing to do that. And they can reach us at the number 334-624-2553. And that's 334-624-2553. And it's Abundant Life Wellness Center. Okay. And so we, again, just thank you guys also for doing this as a... Absolutely. Uh, well, that's that's really interesting because... Um a lot of times when I'm speaking, um, what, what I tell people is, is this, is that diabetes is not tangible. I can't pick it up like a pen and put it in your hand, but it is touchable. You know, when I hug my wife, you know, I'm, I'm touching diabetes or when I'm speaking to people or shaking people's hand at church or in the community or at work. Um, those individuals have diabetes. But one, we, one thing that I've also found is that diabetes is sometimes a taboo subject. So individuals may have diabetes. Brothers and sisters in the same family may have diabetes, but they don't necessarily talk about it. And that's one of the things that's really important about the Diabetes Coalition is bringing individuals together, like your people on the coast who talked about vegan diets or someone in Yazoo. uh, There are chapters all over the state. Bring these individuals together because here's the deal. 
People look at Mississippi and they say they have the highest rates of this high and that. They can point a finger, but it takes a fist to make an impact. And so what we try to do as a diabetes coalition is bring those individuals together so that we can form that fist so that we can really impact those individuals and prevent them or delay them from getting diabetes. And for those individuals that actually have diabetes, help them to actually better manage it. I'm so excited to hear that Alabama is doing some of the same things we are. You know, we have a a community teaching kitchen that we do, and it's so amazing to help people take back control of their health you know that it doesn't always have to come from a pill bottle or a prescription pad that it can come on your plate and you know that's the fun part is helping people and the other piece of that it is too it, it takes time you know, it's not just one session of teaching um, some an individual. My mom, God bless her heart, um, I went down and she was cooking uh, liver. We talked about liver just a minute ago. And I said, well, Mom, I don't want you flying, frying things. I want you to use more peanut oil, this, that, and the other. So about a month later, I was going down and I walked in and it was smelling all good and I was ready to eat. She said, I said, Mom, what are you cooking? She said, I'm cooking liver and onions. And I said, I thought we talked about frying stuff. She said, well, I am using peanut oil. <laughs> you know? So the point of it is, is, you know, it's those times that you have those learning moments that you mm-hmm. say, okay, hey, we started. Now let's build on that. Mm-hmm. And so getting into a DSME program or getting into an MNT program will help those advantages or the program like the one in Alabama. I know of an organization, Magnolia Medical um, Foundation. They're doing diabetes primary prevention. They actually go to churches and teach diabetes primary prevention. And so learning those organizations um, that can help you learn to mm-hmm. better self-manage your diabetes mm-hmm. or prevent yourself from actually getting it. Right. Yeah. That's a great part about learning <laughs> learning as you go. Yeah. The very first time I, when I started teaching um, how to use the, the small plate, you know, yeah, the seven-inch yeah, plate yeah, that we're supposed yeah, to eat yeah. off of, you know, I did not stipulate that it was one layer of food right, on the plate right. you know i just said your food has to fit on this plate right so my the sweet little lady she just stacked it completely right. it was about five six inches in the air it was yeah. a leaning tower of food yeah. and she said you know this this is not working for me i'm not losing any weight and i said you know well my fault you know that well, listen, was my fault my 14 year old says to me he says dad he says uh, i'm gonna cut down on eating i'm not gonna eat two plates i'm just gonna, gonna stack eat, it all yeah, on just one stack it on one that's <laughs> right the same amount of food but yeah. the idea is is that you know uh, what i tell people is this i had to really learn this is that I had to stop eating to get you know to stuff I had to start eating to get full Mm -hmm. and that is a difference you know what I'm saying um and let me just say this too we were talking earlier about health histories knowing your family's history and uh my dad uh, on my on my uh, maternal side my paternal side my father died at 54 his mom died at 51 Mm -hmm. his brother died at 57 his sister died before the age of 60. That whole family is gone. So uh, that, leaves, that, that, that leads me to say two things. One, my wife probably needs to increase my life insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> and two, you know, I need to be mindful of my health history because right. what did they die of? Heart disease cancer. These things, if I know that, then I can prevent it. So I cut down my food, you know, mm-hmm. uh, watch what I eat and then getting physical activity. And I don't say exercise. I say getting physical activity because 30 minutes a day, five days a week helps you to better, you know, be a little bit more healthy. And so it's those things that I try to teach, those practical things that we can do to help ourselves live healthier. Right. Yeah. So Dr. Paul, thank you so much for giving us a call this morning and good luck with y'all's program. Um, you know, it's, it's right near and dear to my heart as well. So thank y'all for helping the folks at Alabama and for giving out that contact information today. You guys have a blessing. You too. All right, we're going to go to Patty in Jackson with a question about diabetes and foot care. Good morning, Patty. Good morning. Thank you to the doctor and MPB for having such a great informative show all the time. Yes, ma'am. Being being that um, I am a diabetic foot care maintenance specialist, by way of cosmetology. Okay. 
so I've been hired like to stay home help and um, for 25 years, over 25 years of doing this business. But what I've seen is people that living with diabetes, even my own family members, they're not given the information about foot care. They right. have nerve pain, they have neuropathy, they have something wrong with a toenail or, or they, those things go, you know, those things are not looked at all the time because you say, oh, well, I'll get it checked out. But that is so important to take care of your feet. Because right. if, you, if you start getting numbness in your feet and things like that, and you know you're living with diabetes, you must take care of that, mention it to your doctor or even go to a podiatrist. And a lot of the citizens out here are going to nail salons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They have to be so very careful because I've served in wound care as a volunteer just to know what I was looking at when I see that when I'm doing a pedicure. So that is just prevalent in our community with so many nail salons and nail technicians that don't have that medical nail tech information or or practice because that it hasn't been implemented in our cosmetology field yet mm -hmm. and i'm pushing it with our legislators to be really careful about minded about that that that's a part of good health as well and it'll save amputation oh wow that's what I, that's what i wanted to really um chime in on is that yeah. you know a uh, so major thank you so much yeah I'll, I'll hang up and let you continue thank you so no i think thank you as well thank but you, Patty. but that okay. is like a major issue um you know, your feet and your eyes, you know, and your kidneys and being able to um, get a, get to a doctor to get your eyes checked, get your feet checked. When I'm teaching diabetes, uh, and I know some of my colleagues, too, that are teaching, um, we tell people uh, when you go to your doctor's office, when you go in there, they put you in the room, you know, you're waiting on the doctor to come in, take your shoes off. You know, um, take your socks off and just wiggle your toes. And, and when they come in the room, they ask you why, you know, um, you know, you have your shoes off. Tell them because you're a diabetic. Never leave that doctor's office without them checking your feet. Absolutely. A really close friend of mine, a guy that I really love like a brother, um, went through an episode where he had a... Um, um, small um, uh, sore on his foot and it ended up causing, you know, um, an amputation. And I felt so bad because I was like right here, you know, and um, and I, if I could have given him that information, might have, you know, possibly saved him from mm -hmm. getting that. So that's some great information um, because with diabetes, it slows your healing process. Um, and so you, you definitely want to be mindful of things like that, you know, get a mirror, at least, you know, I say four to five times a week. I say every day, every, every day. day that you get dressed, take that mirror and look at the bottom of your feet because it, you know, neuropathy, you can have I'm stories of people having nails on their foot and they not mm -hmm. know it, you know, and those type things. So you really want to be mindful of that. Yes. That was, that is yeah. my tip as well. I was yeah. actually going to say it too. Yeah. And you, you said it for me and that's fantastic because yeah. yeah. it is the best advice is when you go in to see your healthcare provider, take those shoes off. Yeah, take those yeah, socks off and yeah. they just can't avoid that right. when they walk in the room and your shoes are already off. So go ahead and do that and make sure that you're having yeah. your feet looked at every time you go to the healthcare provider. Right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be happy to answer more calls or emails um, at one eight seven seven mpb ring or fit at mpbonline.org and we'll be back after the break.
home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Mississippi Public Broadcasting presents Melvin Williams' Down Home Gospel. With this show, Melvin Williams' Down Home Gospel, I'm kind of going to take you on a little journey. You're going to get vintage, traditional gospel music right here on MPB. Premiering March 4th at 6 p.m. on MPB Television. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. For moments in black history, we salute Fannie Lou Hamer. The civil rights activist Fannie Lou Hamer is known for her words, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, during her testimony at the 1964 Democratic National Convention. But the Mississippi native would also lend her voice to many freedom songs during the civil rights movement. Fannie Lou Hamer was a true champion of the people, and we salute her leadership. This has been MPB's Moment in Black History. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Dr. Josie Bidwell here with my guest, Dietrich Taylor, registered nurse and certified diabetes educator. And we're answering questions today about diabetes and heart health and nutrition and foot care and all those things in between, helping you um, take control of your health as it relates to blood sugar and heart health. And we've got a couple of um, emails that I want to get to. Um, And the first email uh, asks the question, why does blood sugar drop more at night? Dietrich, what's going on with that? Well, that could be several reasons. One, um, it could be the uh, medication, you know, um, that you're on uh, and the dose of medication. Um, Another thing is, too, you're not eating at night. You know, so if you're taking medication, you're sleeping, you know, there's an opportunity there because you're not taking any food in. Uh, your sugars are not as high. So, yeah, you know, um, that could be one of them as well. What I would suggest that that individual do is, one, keep a log. You know, if you're monitoring your sugars, just like we talked about earlier, you take them in the morning before you um, before you eat, before the coffee, and then you take them at night before you um, go to bed. Take that to your doctor because that will help him help you. Right. Um, uh, they use those to help, um, you know, uh, decrease or increase your, um, your blood sugar. I mean, so your insulins. Mm-hmm. And so that's really important. So yeah. that's, that could, that's what I would say. A lot of those that. insulins have different, what we call onsets, meaning right. when they start to work, peaks, meaning when they're the most effective and right. durations or how long they last. And it may be that you need an adjustment in that or just take it sooner. Um, and the other thing is sometimes people um, will drop their blood sugar in the middle of the night and actually their, their body wants to live so right. it actually you actually squirt out right. some extra exactly. sugar exactly. and so you'll have 
have really high morning sugars. So that's often something that I tell people, you know, if you're having really high blood sugars in the morning, we need to to look at this a little bit closer and see if you're having low spells in the middle of the night. Because if you are, it may be as simple as having a snack before bedtime that will keep that sugar from bottoming out in the middle of the night. Something called the Samadhi effect of the Down phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really the only way to know is to wake up in the middle of the night and check your blood sugar and see what it's it's doing. So it's not fun, but you can usually get that done after a couple days um, uh, of taking your blood sugar in the middle of the night. So I hope that helps with that question. And it was actually a two-part question. The second part of the question said, does insulin make it more difficult to lose weight? Well, the answer is yes. Um, um, But here's the deal. Um, With um, following up with your physician and like some of the things we mentioned earlier, you know, the healthy eating and getting physical activity. Um, So proud of my aunt. Um, Three days a week, she's 82 years old. Three days a week, you know, she's, you know, somewhere in somebody's pool exercising. You know, Um, if you're in motion, you're going to stay in motion. But if you slow down, you know, and that's another thing that I want to talk about, too. You have to be careful with something called depression Mm -hmm. because depression, depression is a side. A side effect of diabetes. So there's a lot of things that go into diabetes. Diabetes is a complex um, disease process, you know, and so um, you want to be careful um, with things like that and you want to keep yourself in motion. 30 minutes a day, five days a week, check with your physician first to make sure that you know you're healthy enough to do it. But that will help you to continue um, to lose weight. And that you've got some good fitting shoes. Right. Because again, we've talked about how our feet may not have the greatest feeling in them if we have uh, diabetes. And so you want to make sure that you've got a good pair of shoes before. Before you hit the hit the walking trail, so right. we don't get blisters and, and bumps and stuff on our feet. So to follow that up, yeah, insulin can make it a little harder to lose weight. You may even gain a couple of pounds. But I don't want people to get stuck on that scale number. Right. I want you to think about what your blood sugar is, right. because while hanging on to a little extra weight is not great for you, having consistently elevated blood sugars is worse. It's doing damage to all the little tiny blood vessels in the body, um, causing damage to your eyes, damage to your kidneys, um, and damage to your actual heart. You know, just having diabetes increases your risk of having a heart attack or stroke. And this just reminds me of uh, when we were talking to the um, caller a couple of minutes ago, um, you know, having your feet checked, but getting your eyes checked and going to your dentist, um, there's something called retinopathy. Um, really prevalent in diabetes. So you need to get your eyes checked at least once a year, once or twice a year. Take Go to your dentist twice a year and tell them when you go, listen, I have diabetes. They're going to treat you differently, and there's going to be some things that they're going to look at just because you have diabetes, and they're going to make sure that you're going to get back in too. So yeah. those those are really huge things. Yeah, too. especially when you go to the eye doctor, you, you want to tell them that you have diabetes, right. so they'll look at the back of your eye. Right, right, you know, right. um, there are some newer techniques now where they actually don't have to do that crazy dilation to your right, eyes as much. Picture. Yeah, they yeah, take yeah, a yeah, picture yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, don't don't think that you're going to have to have a driver or some weird you know drops right. put in your eye. Oh, the but, funny looking glasses. Yeah, yeah, the funny looking glasses, but you need to have the back of your eye looked at because that's where they can start to see right. if there's damage to those little tiny blood vessels back there. So absolutely let them know and, and let your dentist know as well because now we know that there's a big link between oral health and gum disease yeah. and yeah. Heart, heart disease, disease. Yeah. 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 and sure. actually yeah. diabetes. If you've got gums that are abscessed or right. you know broken teeth that are causing inflammation, 
that will actually make your blood sugar be higher right. as well. So sometimes if you're just having trouble getting control of that blood sugar, we got to kind of get creative and look in different places. If your teeth are just in terrible shape, then let's get your teeth uh, taken care of, and that may actually help with blood sugar over time. Right, right, right. So uh, I want to get to one uh, more uh, email before we're done for the day, and it mm-hmm. was, what are symptoms of diabetes in children, and what should parents be looking for? Wow. Um, we were talking about this earlier as well. Um, usually when you talk about type 1 and type 2 diabetes, you know, when it was type 1, you basically dealt with like the juvenile, but this is type 2 diabetes. So the same thing, you know, the urination, drinking, eating, but you're still tired. Some of those same things you would actually look for. In right. Yeah. Drinking a lot, peeing a lot, eating a lot, losing weight and being extra tired are some of the things that you look for in children um, that may have um, diabetes. So we have so enjoyed talking with you guys today. And you had tons of great questions. Thank you for tuning in to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. And thanks to my guest, Dietrich Taylor, who was a wealth of knowledge about diabetes. And we look forward to talking with you again next week on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit.